0: from Atlanta, Georgia, recording this today after game two in Abu Dhabi, preseason game two for the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks are 2-0 in the preseason. Now, this is not an overreaction podcast. It's not that program. I am not going to crown the Hawks NBA champs for the 2022-23 NBA season after this episode. I'm not crowning them a top four team in the East. I'm not even saying that this is that they have everything figured out. They don't have everything figured out after two preseason basketball games against a really good opponent in the Milwaukee Bucks. But I will say that there are a lot of things that are positive takeaways from the two games that this team can build on going into the regular season. There are some great things that I saw offensively from this team. I saw our defensive intensity at times, despite giving up more than 109 points in each preseason game. The offense, on the other end, scored more than 118 points in each of the games in Abu Dhabi. In basketball and sports, and still, whoever scores the most points wins out of the two teams, and the Hawks did that. Hawks had two wins in Abu Dhabi. Again, a great start, especially for the new backcourt duo of Trey Young and Ajante Murray. A lot of points were scored. They were definitely giving the fans overseas a show. And even the fans that tuned in to NBA TV that helped this Hawks team, you know, put the league on notice and raise a lot of eyebrows as far as, hey, look at this new look Hawks team. I know they were really gassing it up on a lot of the new circuits covering the NBA, you know, after the great performance from Murray in game one and then Trey Young going berserk in game two. So, the Hawks are giving fans a lot of things to be excited about for this upcoming season, and rightfully so. And so, this episode, we're going to go over the major takeaways from this Hawks team, from these two games, and things that I want them to continue to build upon and improve going into the regular season. So... It's going to be a very positive episode because we saw a lot of positive things, even though there is still room for improvement for this team, of course. And it's still not even a regular season. It's still October. October basketball, a lot of, to a lot of people who are casual sports fans, is meaningless. But at the end of the day, in a tight Eastern Conference, every game is going to count no matter if it's October or April. Every game counts. So the Hawks would certainly like to get off to a really good start so that in the back end, hopefully it puts... Because every every game down the stretch is going to be stressful because I think they're going to be jockeying for position in the Eastern Conference all year long. But if they can give themselves a chance early on, String some wins together, you know. Go 500 on road trips. Protect home court. Continue to improve. Game in and game out defensively. Getting some continuity. Continue to learn more about a, about each other. Then good things are going to happen down the stretch for this team. And it all started as I say, all the time. It started off season. Now it's here in training camp. All the work you put in in the offseason, showing up in training camp and preseason, which is going to translate to hopefully more confident, more closely knit team come the start of the regular season and help them battle through adversity in the tough Eastern Conference. So with that, we're going to go into some major takeaways from the two games in Abu Dhabi. One big takeaway is that the Hawks are already ahead of where they were last year. At this point, two preseason games in the last year, and looking two preseason games this year in for the Hawks, the Hawks are already ahead of where they were, purely based on the health of this team. I mean, Murray didn't play in game two due to some back spasms, but other than Bogey, who is still out recovering from his offseason surgery, a lot of Hawks played and looked really healthy, including first-round pick A.J. Griffin, who played in the second game, which we'll talk a little bit more about later. Offensively, as a whole, this Hawks team will be dangerous this year. They are already second in the league last year in offensive efficiency in the NBA. And it looks like they're going to be near the top again. I mean, we saw from the two games, a small sample size, but the little that we saw, we saw that the Hawks can score in multiple ways. I mean, they shot over 50% in both games against the Bucks. They shot 32% from three in the first game. So not great from three-point range. But certainly, I mean, you will take 32% and win. You will. But then in game two, they shot 48% from three-point range. Now, albeit a lot of those threes came from a hot shooting night from Trey Young, which we'll talk about here in a bit. But we saw a three-point shooting. We saw... The Hawks getting into the paint and scoring from multiple people, Trey Young, Murray, Hunter, you know, Collins in the paint, Okongu in the paint, obviously Capella. We saw multiple people, even Aaron Holiday, small in stature, getting to the rim as the backup point guard. He looked good in, in stints that he ran this team without Trey Young or even in concurrent with DeJounte Murray or whoever else is on the floor, but Aaron Holiday looked good. But This team can attack people in multiple ways, and they're going to be very potent as an offensive team this year, especially with the addition of Dejounte Murray, who was initiating a lot of the offense in Game One, especially in the pick and roll with the Bigs. And when they were running pick and roll with Dejounte Murray, it was executed perfectly because the Big was set the screen, and all of a sudden they would roll. And then the defender who was on Murray is put in his no man's land of do I close out on him? Can he blow past me or is he going to throw the lob? So and Trey Young does this to defenders, too, when he runs the pick and roll. And especially when, you know, when he has the floater going, which he did overseas. But Murray can do the same things. As Trey Young, which is a huge help for this team, another initiator of the offense, gives opportunity for the other player to be off ball. So it's going to be a I'll take this dance, you take this dance type situation, it seems, but I love the off-ball movement they were getting for Trey Young. But seeing Murray put these defenders in a bind, especially when it came to the first game, allowed for DeJounte Murray to torch the Bucks in the mid-range game. Now He did miss his first several shots in the mid-range, but once he saw one go in, they could not stop him in the mid-range. He's going to be very vital mid-range shooter, initiator of the offense, another score, he can get to the basket, his defense, real active, getting deflections, bringing that energy on that side of the floor. Murray looked great in game one. Grading game one. Now, the back spasms are something that we'll be monitoring, and I'm sure will be brought up once he gets back in the States and see how many minutes he gets for the remainder of the preseason because, obviously, he did not play in game two, as I stated, and who knows if he'll play in the next contest versus Cleveland and how many minutes or how he's feeling. So that'll be a story that we'll be tracking here at Sports ETH's Atlanta Hawks, but Murray looked good. Trey Young was still Trey Young. In game one, with Murray out there initiating a lot of the offense, Trey Young scored 22 points, while Murray, who had an offensive game himself, 25 points, 8 rebounds, 9 assists in his first game as an Atlanta Hawks. So to have your backcourt combined for close to 50 points is pretty good. It's pretty good. That's a pretty good telling that this is going to be a very formal backcourt in the NBA. In the NBA, period. Uh, I know Cleveland's going to have something to say about that, and we'll see them, ironically, pretty soon. But my money is on Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, and it was on them even before they played a preseason game together. But I liked what I saw out there, and Trey Young did not look rusty at all. Uh, first game, he didn't shoot well from three, but Trey Young was still doing Trey Young things and playing off ball. They were setting some screen. He was running defenders like Steph Curry in that Warrior system, which is something that he's going to continue to get better at and they're going to execute better at as the season goes on. But I love seeing that. And it didn't look like a disinterested Trey Young when he's off ball. He's engaged and knowing where he fits as far as spacing. And he's going to command a defender on him because he's Trey Young. So it's going to open up things offensively for the main action between Murray and the big and the other people who are going to be probably in catch and shoot opportunities or one getting ready to crash the boards, however they work out floor spacing. That's going to be a continual thing to work on and improve. But I liked what I saw in a little sample size. But back to Trey Young, who, as I said, 22 in game one, went berserk in game two, 31 points. And just one half of play in game two with a bunch of highlight reels, the handles, the shooting from beyond the three-point line, shooting from the logo. He put on a show in Abu Dhabi and still let people know. And I don't know if he saw the rankings that they had him as the bet, the fourth best point guard in the NBA. But I'm sure that, you know, Trey Young likes to keep his receipts. And he is going to show everybody Especially after how he played in that Miami series in the playoffs. A lot of, you know, backhanded comments, questioning Trey Young's game. And the biggest thing I saw that he needs help. He needs help, and that's why we got DeJounte Murray. But I'm sure that that's been on his mind the entire offseason, how he finished in his training, in his approach, in his talks with Naaman Millen, in his conversation with DeJounte Murray, conversation with the team, the bonding they did, I'm sure that how they ended last year was a sour taste in his mouth. So to come out in the first two preseason games and put on the performances that he did was very encouraging. He is the engine that makes your team, well, one part of your engine that makes your team go, now that we added Murray and some of the other players have stepped up, as we saw in these first two preseason games, I'm excited to see what's going to come for this team offensively. But again, 31 points in just 20 minutes, 11 of 15 from the floor in game two, which included 7 of 9 from three point range and added six assists. He looked in midseason form and looked well, um, as I said before, running off ball. But as a team as a whole, they did a great job of limiting the turnovers. They were an efficient team in the first two preseason games that we have kind of grown accustomed to seeing. Um, And doing all this without Bogey off the bench was very impressive, as I tweeted out. Um, As I said, Trey looked good off ball, where he can, you know, get open and just be a scorer, but also gets gets his opportunities to distribute as well, get his one-on-one matchups when he is off ball, and scoring against defenders without help. I mean, he... Put Drew Holiday on skates and others, Bobby Portis, and other people who were called to come out to the three point line and guard Trey Young. He was getting whatever he wanted. And that is a scary sight for the league, especially Drew Holiday, the touted defender that he is. Trey Young was making him look just silly, silly at times. So that was very encouraging. Uh, DeAndre Hunter looked good in both games. Especially a lot of game one, a lot of catch-and-shoot opportunities. Uh, but the most important thing is that DeAndre Hunter is healthy. We can see the work that he put in in the offseason, and he's confident. He's very. He looks more confident uh, in the early going. He was getting into the paint, scoring in a mid-range, taking advantage of what the defense was giving him. He was, as I said before, relegated to more catch-and-shoot in game one and scored 17 points. Game two, he was more of an attacking, more aggressive, getting to the rim, getting to the mid range, finishing there, and he finished up with 21 points in game two. I don't see, you know, Hunter scoring 19 points a game for this Hawks team this year, or maybe even going forward, who knows? Um, and he could surprise me, but if he's healthy and he's confident, DeAndre Hunter, if he is looking like he did in the first two games and he's healthy, he'll be a great third to fifth option on a nightly basis offensively for this Hawks team. And obviously with him being healthy, he can give that energy on the defensive end to close out on shooters, guard the perimeter. And I just liked, you know, the spacing with him and Murray and then obviously having Capella out there, three mostly defensive-minded players. It is a great foundation to be built upon. Uh, this is a great start for Hunter. He's going to obviously have to continue to prove it. He's going to have to continue to be available. But that was very encouraging to see from these two exhibition games. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about some takeaways. But first, quick plug for the Fantasy Pass. It's out. It's $5.99. It's totally worth it. I have it prepare for my fantasy draft coming up and just the hard work that you know brewski who is um, in charge of our program and our network here at sports ethos he just does a great job every year and gives these resources after all the hard work that he puts in out to the public so definitely check that out on SportsEthos.com. search premium subscribe pay like i said 5.99 a month it's worth it it's cheaper than netflix cheaper than hbo max all the streaming services and especially if you're really into fantasy basketball or fantasy sports in general there's this tool the fantasy pass the brewski 150 guide and so and so forth and other fantasy tools to help you whether it's head-to-head matchups and fan duel um, your fantasy leagues whether it's football basketball baseball you know this network is providing a great service to those who love fantasy sports so We're going to hit you with this quick plug, and when we come back, talk more about the takeaways from the Exhibition Games in Abu Dhabi for the Atlanta Hawks. Okay, listeners, it's time to talk a little fantasy hoops. Now, I don't know about you, I'm in several fantasy leagues, and every fantasy league that you are in, you have a rival. Pokemon, Ash Ketchum had Gary, and I know you have your Gary out there. So it's time to beat Gary and get the insight that you need to take your stuff to the next level and win a fantasy basketball championship. Do you remember who led you to Tyrese Halliburton, Dejounte Murray, Terry Rozier, and Mikhail Bridges before any other ranked list? I know which one. It's the Brewskis 150. And you probably turned those huge wins into some cash or a Fantasy Basketball Championship. This year, the Brewski 150 is on sale for a limited time. In Ethos, 360 subscribers can get access in less than a week. Head to sportsethos.com and click on the Premium tab to grab membership information or the draft guide today. And yes, to answer your most important question, the Brewski 150 is included in both options. Check back daily for more new features and go dominate your leagues, beat Gary with the help of Sports Ethos. All right, and we are back. More takeaways from the two preseason games against the Milwaukee Bucks for the Atlanta Hawks. You knew I wasn't going to go this program without talking about my boy Yeko Okongu. Okongu is expanding his game, and that was evident. In these two preseason games. He continues to be active around the rim. But he's added some new post moves. And he's even taken some shots away from the basket. Now, he took two three-pointers in two games. Did not make one. But the shot looked pretty good. Um, I know I didn't get to see the second three-pointer. But I know the first three-pointer that he shot on Thursday was a corner three. And it just rimmed out. And it looked good. The form looked good. They gave him the space, so he took the shot. Even if he doesn't make a ton of threes this year, that threat of shooting the three ball is going to help him out offensively and ultimately help this team out. Because I can just see it now, if he makes a three or two, and now on the scouting report, you're seeing Oyeko Congo has the ability to knock down the three-point shot. I can see defenders closing with his athleticism him blowing past the defender and maybe finishing at the rim or doing a little dump off to the other big if there's another big in there, Capella, Kaminsky, Collins, whatever lineup they put out there, it just adds elements to his game that he just did not have last year. And I said from the Media Day episode that Neymar Millen is talking about potentially using Oyeka Kongu in that Bam out of bio role, which is very, very telling of the work that he's put in, and the vision that this team sees for Nyeka Kongu in his development and going forward. So, he looks really promising, as he always has. And I think he's going to have a really good season, barring health. Now, I'm going to talk about his minutes compared to Capella a little bit later, but that's something I'm going to monitor myself because he got, obviously... A lot of minutes in that second game 27 minutes I want to say and then 19 minutes in game 2 and I do have the numbers for Capelli close to 19 20 minutes himself so both kind of splitting the minutes down the middle outside of obviously getting Kaminsky involved and I mean I'm sure that they're going to work on some different combinations especially when Jalen Johnson is back in the fold as he can play the 3 or the 4 but Really curious to watch his minutes and production and maybe, depending on Capella's health or his play, it pushes the notion that Okongu maybe should be a starter. I'm not saying that's the case right now. I think Capella still is the starter, but I think it's a potential conversation that could be had at some point in the season, depending how these two perform throughout the first, let's say, 30 games of the season. Um, that would be something to monitor for sure uh, for fantasy listeners and as well as just Hawks fans in general. If Okongwu can stay healthy and stay out of foul trouble, it will call for him to be on the court more, which means his impact as far as rebounding, uh, underrated as, as a, giving the ball out and addition it out. He had over two assists in each game in the preseason, but just scoring, expanding his offense, expanding his range, getting rebounds, Obviously, being relentless on the defensive end and just that that hustle that he brings, that energy that he brings off the bench is definitely going to be needed in a team that needs to continue to work on defense, which we'll touch on a, lo- a little bit later. AJ Griffin, the rookie draftee, first round pick from Duke this year, did not play in game one, but played in game two and scored 13 points. Looked pretty good in the, in the minutes that he played. Very mature offensive game. He has the physical attributes. He can shoot. He has NBA pedigree with his dad being an NBA player himself. He's a savvy young player. I think if he can continue to give effort on the defensive end, be efficient on the offensive end, it will demand him some time off the bench in some games for the Atlanta Hawks. I think he's going to still play a few games in College Park. But from the little that we saw and just thinking about a bench with Aaron Holiday running the point, having bogey running things as well as your two guard, you have Jalen Johnson potentially at the three or the four, a Congo out there, Kaminsky probably at the five. If If AJ Griffin with his shooting and his potential floor spacing can be effective, and give effort and be focused on the defensive end as well. He's going to give him some minutes probably later as the season goes on. That's something to watch with A.J. Griffin. But very, very promising start, especially after not seeing him in Vegas in Summer League with his, I want to say it was a knee. He had knee problems um, in Vegas. Uh, Just soreness that they had to get checked out and erred on the side of caution. But great to see him out there on the court. John Collins looked good, got a lot of touches in game one, scored 16 points on 7-10 shooting in game one, only scored six points in game two, which, and he played in 19 minutes in game two. He had six shots, made three of them, so he was still over 50%, so very efficient in both of his games, but again, that Jekyll Hyde, as far as we could get him touches this game, we're going to feature him this game, not get as many touches In game two. That. Inconsistent usage is why. Even though he has a lot of upside. Especially offensively for fantasy. And upside in general for his game. And what he can do for this Hawks team. As long as he's on his team. He has to be utilized. I don't think he gets the 12 to 13 touches. That I normally called for. In previous seasons. For this Hawks team. There's different players. More dynamic players that's going to call for them to be on ball and get more shots but i think if john collins is getting 10 shots a game and giving you 16 points and some boards maybe a block of steal here here and there i wouldn't complain about that i wouldn't complain about that at all but i just don't know about his future with this team still i mean he's always thrown in trade rumors he's a consummate professional always stays focused remains a great teammate in the midst of all these trade rumors but I still think there's a chance that he will be traded potentially at the trade deadline depending on how things go for this Hawks team I mean I even saw a mock trade that surfaced on Instagram I think in the midst of the Draymond Green situation in Golden State obviously you guys Probably well well documented at this point what Draymond Green um, did with the Warriors and now he's taking time away from the team. But if the Warriors decide to remove Draymond Green, who is in the midst of contract dispute negotiation, I don't really want. I don't really know exactly what to call it, but he wants max contract money. Warriors are probably not going to give it to him. I don't think there's any team in the NBA outside of one maybe that may give him that type of money. But if there's a situation where Warriors don't want him to just walk and they want to get some value for him, it was a mock trade that sent Draymond Green and James Wiseman to Atlanta for a switch of John Collins and Clint Capella. Like I said, this is not valid. This is not a rumor. This is just something that someone created. But I've talked about on this program Potentially Draymond Green being on his team probably a season or two ago because of just his presence, his leadership, championship experience, attention to detail, especially on the defensive end. I think he would be a great mentor for DeAndre Hunter, for DeJounte Murray. Help Trey with some film, see things on film, and help him be in better positions defensively. I think he just to make a lot of people better defensively on his team with his leadership. Now... It'll be a very interesting pairing if Wiseman and Kongo were alongside each other. Very young uh, front court, very promising front court, but I don't think he's ready to start in this NBA yet. I think he's about a year or two away. Uh, he needs to be healthy, he needs to be available, he needs to continue to develop. But the sky is the limit, definitely, for James Wiseman. I'm not saying on this level, a lot of people are talking about Evan Mobley, and at rightfully so, in Cleveland. But Wiseman was in that same conversation too when he came into the league with his upside and his skill set. And the jury is still out on Wiseman. Maybe a fresh start is needed because we know how much they value Looney in the mouths they need to feed in Golden State. But as I said before, Draymond will bring a defensive presence even on his decline physically. Uh, He will bring a defensive presence, a defensive awareness, defensive savviness, in leadership that would be welcomed on his team. Maybe not hands-on leadership at this point. Uh, we don't want hands and Draymond in the same sentence for for a little bit till this cools down. But nothing right now should warrant the Hawks fans wondering, "Hey, are we really going to get Draymond? Do we want Draymond?" You really shouldn't worry yourself with that at this point. That was just something that I saw out there. I've talked about Draymond and the Hawks on this program before. Be interesting. But on paper, it's not a great trade to give up Capella, who still has some years left. Definitely on the decline, but definitely some years left. And John Collins, who still has a lot of upsides as a stretch four in this league. We just don't utilize him well. And I know he's sought after and... I think he still could be traded for the right price and the right team and the right situation. So, yes, the soap opera of will JC be traded will continue, and I don't think it is over yet. But he did look good, despite the finger in his two appearances in Abu Dhabi. As I mentioned earlier, Aaron Holiday is a really good backup point guard. Knows the system. Is familiar with Naaman Mellon. Knows what he wants, and even though he's undersized, He's really good at making the right decisions as a point guard. Gives a lot of effort on the defensive end, along with his brother, Justin Holiday, who is on his team now. On the side note, it was great to see all the Holiday brothers, you know, Justin, Aaron, and Drew together in Abu Dhabi. That's just a great family moment for them. But I loved what I saw from Aaron Holiday at the backup point guard position for this Hawks team. I'm just visualizing him with Bogey and Jalen Johnson or whoever, Wu, whatever other starters are tr- trickled in in that lineup. But Kaminsky, who he's familiar with because he was teammates with him in Phoenix. That was a really good pickup. I think it'll be a very underrated pickup for this team all year long. But I loved what I saw from Aaron Holiday, especially in game one. He started a game two with Murray out. But that just means that more of a distributor, make the right play when he needs to. He's not going to eat up a lot of shots. He's going to let Trey Young do his thing, which is what he did in game two, as well as letting DeAndre Hunter do his thing as well and whoever else is around him. He's going to just make the right play. Those high IQ players are always welcomed on any team, let alone this Hawks team. So love what I saw from Aaron Holiday. Tyrese Martin looked good as well in spurts. Has a lot of promise. Will certainly get a lot of clock in College Park, but has a lot of upside, especially with his frame and size. Uh, Capella, as I mentioned, got 20 minutes each game. And Okongu played more minutes than Capella in each game. Um, Just when you do the math, Capella played less minutes than Okongu. And I don't think it's something right now, but I think it's something to watch as the season progresses. How they balance Capella and Okongu. Can they both be on the same court? I think they can be. If Okungu's game, as far as stretching out beyond, you know, the rim really takes hold. Knocking some mid-range jumpers, uh, maybe hitting a three or two from the four position. Obviously, if he can continue to guard at a high level fours in this league, which I think he will because he's really athletic. But something that's going to definitely be monitored as the season progresses, the minutes tango between Capello and O'Kongu, Congo, because Capello does what he does best. He's 100% healthy, as he says right now. We know he can ho- re- uh, rebound at a high clip. We know he can score around the rim. We know he's limited in the free throw um, department, and he's not getting as many blocks. Um, he will get a steal every now and then. He has some active hands. He's a big man. But it's not as many blocks as before. Um, he will, But he'll continue to still be a focal point of our interior defense going forward. And I just think interior defense as a whole and his team needs to continue to improve as there was a lot of backdoor passes, uh, one-off passes in the paint to an open big cutting where they can easily finish at the rim. That's something that this Hawks team is going to have to clean up. And just defensively in general, this Hawks team gave up a lot of points, but reminder, the Bucks are a top three team in the Eastern Conference. Let's be real. Until proven otherwise... They are a top three or four team in the Eastern Conference, and they run a lot of good offensive sets that people will just get their shots in their spots, and they're going to execute at a high clip. I mean, hey, the Hawks did hold the Bucks to under 42% shooting in both games. They did an adequate job guarding the three-point line, holding, to them, uh, holding them to under 35% from the three-point line in both games as well, which is a win. They battled on the boards, and Hey, look, they're not going to win a lot of rebounding margins, you know, on a night-to-night basis, but they competed on the boards and they forced a lot of turnovers in the in two games in Abu Dhabi against the Bucks. They need to continue to work on second chance opportunities and rebounding on the offensive side of things, but defensively, as Amy Mellon says, um it's, it's not just personnel, it's a mindset, it's a process. And this is the beginning of that process. There are some positives to take away from the some of the defense that was played in spurts, but they're gonna have to continue to work on that, continue to improve and focus on that, which seems to be a thing that when you watch or you know hear sound bites from practice that that's what they're really working on is defense and improving on that side of the floor. Because if they can do that. The sky is the limit with this team. It really is. I don't. I don't think championship, but I do think they're a team that can advance in the playoffs if they can get. They don't have to play elite defense, but if they can get timely stops, if they're connected on the defensive end, I saw that in game one in Spurs, the connectivity on defensive on the defensive end, especially when Murray was out there, the communication, those little things, the effort to get the deflections, to get into the passing lanes, to force mistakes, to speed up the offense. I saw those little things, and that was an impact of Murray just being out there. And it's pressure, (laughs) pressure that he brings to the perimeter as a defender. It's why we got him. It's why we got him. And so there's a lot of great things to build upon. And this next game against the Cleveland Cavaliers on the road in the preseason, even though it's a preseason game, this Hawks team will be tied to this Cavaliers team All season long because both teams made offseason moves to get a two-guard on their team. And the Hawks were the team that sent the Cavs to the offseason last year. Playing, you all know well, Trey Young went off in the last two and a half minutes of the game to really just bury the Cavaliers and propel the Hawks into the playoffs as the eighth seed and sent the Cavaliers home. So they're going to be tied together all season long. And this next game, you know, injury report still looks good. Jalen Johnson, who was out with an illness and didn't get to travel overseas, he'll be back. He's going to get some minutes. I'm excited to see what he looks like. Excited to see how many minutes A.J. Griffin will get. Um, We'll see how the starters are managed. Uh, Most importantly, DeJounte Murray with the back spasms. How many minutes will he get versus Cleveland? But to go against a team that is more half court, I mean, and they like to slow the pace down a real good defensive team with a lot of bigs. It will be a different type of challenge and a welcome challenge in a preseason to know where we are in the front court, especially defensively. That's going to be a challenge. and I'm excited to watch that unfold, but all in all, it was a very positive experience in Abu Dhabi for this Hawks uh, team. I think there's a lot of positive takeaways Hawks fans should be excited, and I'm excited for the next opportunity for this team to get on the court. They have to continue to stay healthy, continue to work offense, defense, and just staying healthy at this point. That's what it's all about. Having enough bullets in the chamber to go out for battle night in and night out and try to build some momentum early on, build some continuity early on. this Hawks team. So if they can get wins early, it will make things easier in the back end. This is what it's all about. It's all a process. The process is going very well. And they're ahead of schedule compared to last year. But it's going to be a day in day out thing. So we're excited to see where this team goes here at Sports ETH Atlanta Hawks. And if you love what you heard today, give us five stars. Give us a good review. Share it. Tell everybody about the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks. You know the drill. Share with Hawks fans, NBA fans, basketball fans, Georgia sports fans. Doesn't matter. If they had ears that want to hear more about DeJounte Murray, Trey Young, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, Capello, Kongwu, Jalen Johnson, are you an A.J. Griffin fan? If they are, put them on this program and you know the drill. Follow us on Twitter at EthosHawks on Twitter that is at eat those hawks on twitter and then follow myself on twitter at brad jared67 that is brad jarrett 67. 7 we will catch you guys next time looking forward to the matchup versus cleveland on the road hawks next preseason game will be on october 12th a few days away we will catch you guys